Blog Talk Radio. There's the best there is in the world of arm wrestling. When I get to the table, that person, I don't care who they are, they're my mortal enemy. If I win, it's just because I wanted to be the best one time in my life. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. Former bodybuilder and now up and coming arm wrestling sensation with a show that is over the top. Firing up the mic, the host of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio, here is Craig Soupier. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. We are live in the Ormond Beach studios here in sunny Florida, October 6th, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., and kick back and relax. Another exciting week of arm wrestling, and I'm excited about tonight's guest back from Malaysia, WAF, World Championships, World Champion, Alan Bone will be joining us, talking about his experiences and his training over the years, so I'm really looking forward to that, and um, it's going to be a great show, excited, um, we had a great weekend, had a little, Dana Worley had a big practice uh, at his house Saturday, so we all got together, a lot of the Florida pullers, um, and it was fun, man, was, we were back and forth, as uh, you guys could see on our social medias, back and forth on Facebook, uh, joking around, and uh, we had a great time, um, it was awesome, and uh, I know uh, Daniel's getting ready for uh, the Alabama Jamma up there in Alabama. Um, I think that is uh, on the uh, 17th, I do believe. Also here in Daytona, kicking off October Bike Fest, Oktoberfest. We got the Backyard Brawl, Anthony Letario Promotions putting on the Backyard Brawl here in Daytona. Um, I'm not going to be able to make that tournament, unfortunately, even though it's right down the street. Um, I'm involved in this Cairo's Torch Mentoring Program, so that's our big weekend. So uh, best of luck to all the Florida pullers out there pulling in Daytona. It's going to be a great, great event, man. And uh, we're going to be right back with a word from our sponsors. Armed Alliance is committed to producing powerful arm wrestling apparel to athletes around the world. Our mission is to represent the arm wrestling community with unmatched design, unique style, and superior fit that will set you apart from the crowd. Our shirts, made from next-generation cotton polyester, allows for maximum comfort and quality. We offer custom orders for hats, compression sleeves, team or individual shirts, and arm wrestling tables. Visit our site at www.armedallianceapparel.com and gear up today. Rep the movement. Armed Alliance for Life. Country Crush, baby. 
The handles are made of polymer plastic that sits freely over a shaft, causing a free spinning motion. The frame is constructed of a high-grade steel and made here in the USA. The handle, while you can work many different exercises, was designed to challenge your hand strength. Focusing on overall arm strength, adding a balance and stability to your workout. By adding rolling handles, the Country Crush allows the user to work many different movements. Not easily done by similar handles, and by closing your wrists off at the end of each movement, you work your wrist and strengthen it at the same time. Country Crush, baby. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. If you ain't training with the Country Crush, then you ain't training. Check out www.countrycrush.net now. Welcome back, guys. And that's right. Check out countrycrush.net. Also, Armed Alliance Apparel. Dot com to our great sponsors supporting arm wrestling nation radio and uh you know big shout out to those guys there you know uh a lot's been going on with arm wrestling we have a huge 2016 season coming up you know with all the exposure espn with the wal with all these different great events coming up you know it's just an amazing time to be in this great sport and you know with that being said we just wrapped up the WAF World Championships over in Malaysia, and uh, I'm excited to welcome our guest of the evening, world champion, Alan Bone, man. What's up, Alan? How you doing tonight? Hey, buddy. You got me live? Yeah, man. We're live, kicking in. I can hear you loud <laughs> and clear, man. Just uh, first off, Great. man, I want to congratulate you, world champion. I mean, uh What's that feel like uh, once again coming back from uh, another World Championships? Well, I tell you, Craig, I, I, it was very um, uh, euphoric and exciting, <clears throat> and and to be there among my teammates, which you know we just all fed upon each other so much. I mean, because there was just so much energy there with Team USA, and and the kind of output and the camaraderie that we built together as a team was just phenomenal. It really was. I'm so excited to talk about my team, you know, and how we all did as individuals and as a and as a team. Let's let's talk about that, man. I mean, that's got to be um, real exciting. I mean, going over there, Team USA, the family, that kind of unity, um, you know, all together. And I know, you know, you guys have known each other over the years, especially, um, you know, being in the sport for a while now. Um, you know, and it's the closest thing that I see that would be closest to the Olympic Games. I mean, tell us a little bit about Team USA and and how the whole experience over Malaysia was for all you guys. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me that opportunity. And I I just want to thank you for um, the opportunity to come on the show and share a little of my personal experience from, you know, going back to actually 1979 was my first event. But but this, this particular event here, I am just so excited to talk about it. I mean, uh, I, I, it's not so. It's not really a, so much about me. It's about the team and and how we all did together. And uh, actually, I've got a few quick facts here. I, I got off the phone here shortly with uh, Leonard Harkless, and uh, we did some cramming here so I could come up with some facts, figures, and information regarding the team effort here. I'd be awesome. more than happy to share it with you. Yeah, that's awesome, so, man. Our listeners would definitely enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, we had a grand total of 19 team members. 
most of those went right and left. So, um, and then some of them crossed over into the uh, what they call the it's the senior division, which is the th- you know 39 and younger. And so <laughs> that came up to about 45 entries. Wow! Is what we had as a team, and uh, we amassed enough points to get uh, second place in the master's output of a total of 129 points was generated by our, you know, our masters, grandmasters, mm-hmm. and ultra grandmasters uh, in both women and men. Um, the overall team points is, was 133 points. So to give you an idea how tough that open division is, there were four points generated in there. Wow. That's, so, that's uh, crazy, yeah. That's that's brutal, but uh, but 129 in masters, mm-hmm. and uh, so we took second as a team. Um, in, <laughs> if you just calibrated the masters, um, now overall, when you fit calculated open and masters and grandmasters and teens and everything, all rolled into one uh, big points, we got ninth place as a team but that's out of like 55 countries wow man that's so awesome it's it still wasn't bad i mean we only had 19 team members but we did pack a pretty good punch you know mm-hmm. uh especially uh in the masters and especially certain individuals that i'm excited to uh i can go ahead and brag for them <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead yes. <laughs> but um briefly uh we all know uh Vosgen, um he was in the open division, and I mean that was a brutal 154-pound class that he was in. Uh, you know, there were 26 guys in there. He did finish in the top third of those 26, and he came in at ninth place. Wow! Uh, so he he still did well. Um, we had a um, Mark Gaines, who is our uh, 150, well about 160-pound grandmaster. He's been around. He's from California for quite. Uh, he's been around for quite a while. He got a sixth right and a fifth left, and he contributed five total points. Um, Dick Ingwilson. Now, some of you old-timers out there would know Dick Ingwilson. He was Arm Wrestler of the Year in 1981. Mm. So he's been around a long time, but he got in there, and this was his first international experience. Dick had been pulling lots of tournaments like Petaluma and all those, you know, tournaments, uh, NAWA and uh, a lot of big California tournaments back in the day when, you know, back then they, they, they kind of, they weren't that picky about the rules. They pretty much let you wrestle, but this was his first international experience where the officials here, they are very, very professional and it has to be perfect. The match has to be perfect or it will be stopped and restarted. And Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a bit difficult for Dick, but he learned a lot. By the end of the tournament, he he now has international experience, and he he started settling down as the tournament went on. He still uh, he got a fifth and a fifth, so he contributed six total points. Um, the different states involved were California, Nevada, Utah, Ohio, Washington and Nebraska, New Hampshire, Tennessee, and North Carolina. And uh, I think Utah was your top producing state of, of Team USA this year. So hats off to Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they did really well in there. Uh, Bob Brown, you know, Bob Brown, he is such a fighter. You know, he does really well. Um, he has he has actually won his class at Worlds the last two out of three years. And he is technically a grandmaster. He's 50 now. But he chose to wrestle into the younger 40 with the 40-year-olds. He kind of wanted to finish with one last hurrah there. Uh, although, you know, he dropped like 45 pounds in the last six weeks. And I think wow. it took its toll on him. You know? Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was nursing a sore shoulder, but he finished eighth and eighth, um, right and left. Um, we had a, a master named Mike Nepp that I had not met him. He's from Ohio, and he pulled the 196-pound uh, masters. And he, you know, he won a couple and lost a couple, but I really loved the heart in which he pulled, and he tied one on with the Canadian champion, which was named Wade Graves from Canada. This Wade Graves has a ton of titles. He's, he won first place at the Canadian Nationals. Uh, he, I think he got first in the Open Division, too. But they went into a hook, and, I mean, it was a dogfight death match. And <laughs> it just went back and forth. I mean, the, 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 both Canadian and American teams really rallied around our men there. And, I mean... Uh, at some at one point, I mean, it was just a stalemate in a in a deep hook in the center of the table, and it was going back and forth. And then finally, they started looking at one another, and they just looked at each other's eyes. And I could, you know, it, it makes you wonder what what is being said between those two guys. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was just this really cool moment. I mean, everything kind of went into slow motion, and. Mm-hmm. Mike Nepp, he just reached down inside of himself for a little something extra. And he turned with his shoulder and got in behind it more and used his tricep, and he just eventually caved in the Canadian champion. And it was just a, one of those moments, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that you live for in the sport. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So uh, Scott Partington from California, he got a fourth in the uh, – in the Masters 198, um, we had a young 17-year-old uh, named Cole Saylor that came from Washington, my home state, uh, and he got seventh, but he did contribute one point, and he, you know he won a couple and lost a couple. Um, it was his first international flavor experience, and he, and he had a wonderful time. His dad came out, really, really great couple of guys. Um, we had a young man named, Al- let's see, we call him Alex, but it's like Alendrio de la Torre. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a sixth right and a fifth left in the team class. And now it's Robert Baxter. Now, uh, Robert Baxter is well-known in the arm wrestling circles, and he's from Utah. And... Uh, on the first day, Robert got a solid third left, and on the second day, um, Robert was undefeated going into the finals, as I was. Wow. And we made a pact between the two of us that we wanted the national anthem, you know, Old Glory. We wanted our national anthem played two times in a row, and so Mike. 
mine match, and then he was the next weight class up. He was the next match. And we both went into the finals undefeated, and we both dropped that first match in the finals. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, this was was turning into a nightmare. You know, come on, we made a pact here. We got to do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, we, we... got together and we meditated on it and and we both agreed we had to make an adjustment here that russian got him and forced it into two out of three and my big strong guy from turkey i i actually pinned him but but when i trapped him i trapped him and then below the plane but it Mm -hmm. wound up more over on his side of the table when the when I trapped him down, it was on his side of the table, so they gave him the match. But, yeah, I saw that match. I was kind of confused by that. I was like, wow. So, But now you explained it. Yeah, exactly. I was confused, too, but after the referees, you know, kind of hauled me off of the side a little bit later afterwards. I mean, I totally got it. It was a good call, you know, and I learned something from it. But, uh, but anyways, Robert and I, we went back up there. And Robert rolled his guy. I, well, actually, I went first, and I wound up in the strap, and I bought this guy. And that rallied Robert. And he went up there and rolled that Russian into a hook, and it was just, just caved him right in. And we got our dream come true to have, you know, the national anthem played twice in a row. So that was just a really neat bonding experience between Robert and I. But uh, I hope I'm not talking too fast. Here. No, no, it's awesome, man. No, share this experience, man. A lot of our listeners don't get to hear this type of stuff from, like, you know, the overseas uh, events like this. So this is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm. I hope I'm kind of shedding some new light on the sport here. <laughs> but. Almost up. But anyways, Robert contributed. He got a gold and a bronze, and he contributed 15 points. which we're all very proud of him. And on the first day, um, left-handed, our flag somehow got lost. And so the people that went up there didn't have old glory to hold up. And, I mean, this this, this, this can't be. And and Robert, um, in the goodness of his heart, he uh, talked to the manager there at the hotel and paid this man to get a cab and go down to the, the consulate or you know, the is it immigrations or no, it was the consulate, yeah. the American embassy. Mm-hmm. And they supplied us with a flag. Wow. And um, uh, so they came back and, and Robert covered the expenses on that, which we were all really grateful. And we all wanted to throw in the hat. But Robert is like one of the most generous guys you would ever, ever meet. And he wouldn't take any money from us because what he wanted to do he folded that flag up when it was all said and done and gave it to one of the veterans that was on our team named Dick Ingwilson, who served his country. He took shrapnel metal. He's a disabled wow. veteran, and he served his country. And it was, I mean, we all welled up. It was just one of those moments, you know, when the team came together even stronger in unity because of that very gracious act on behalf of Robert Baxter. So, you know, I wanted to throw that out there. That was just the coolest. That's what that's what you live for. That's what we go to these for is for yeah, moments man. like that, you know. Amazing moments like that. You can never replace those moments like that. It's awesome. I know. Yeah. So that was uh, 
a little side story I wanted to add about Robert Baxter and um, and so him and it was him and his wife Julie also that contributed in another way. We had uh, we had a young girl on the team, a teenage girl named Lisa. No, excuse me, Taylor. Taylor Johnson. Taylor. Yep. And uh, just a dynamic-looking young girl uh, with her long platinum blonde hair. She was uh, uh, quite a tribute to the team. But she, her birthday was one month off, and they had made her wrestle the 21-year-olds, you know. Wow. So uh, she had to wrestle up a couple of years. And uh, by golly, she, didn't, she contributed six team points. And... Uh, towards Team USA, she did get a solid fourth right and a sixth left. Sixth place is actually worth um, two points, and uh, seventh place is worth one point. So if you get, even just because you don't get on the podium, one first, second, and third, you're still contributing team points all the way down through seventh place. So uh, I, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, just because you don't get on the podium doesn't mean you weren't contributing to your team and doesn't mean you didn't, you know, battle hard and, and, and should receive recognition. I mean, I think they should medal all the way through seventh myself, but hmm. I'm not the one paying the bill down there. But, yeah. Yeah. but anyways, uh, she had all of her money in a, in a wallet inside of her um, duffel bag, and you know how it is. You leave your duffel bag behind, and you go wrestle them. Mm-hmm. You come back, and you go get a, you know, you, you run out and go to the bathroom, and you're coming back. Well, some outsider, I guess, came into the event. And let this be a lesson. You don't leave large chunks of money laying around unattended. Mm-hmm. But they didn't take her, they didn't take the whole duffel bag, but someone slipped in there and grabbed that wallet really quick, and they were wow. out of there. And she had all of her money 900 bucks Damn. was in there, and that was the money she needed to eat with and pay her room with and everything. And so the poor girl was distraught beside herself. I mean, you know, this added a lot of tension. She's trying to compete here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, no. uh, so as Team USA, uh, one of the, the referees named uh, um, Bob... Oh, from Montana. Oh, what's his last name? I'm, this is killing me. I'm drawing a blank. He's one of our head referees, but he's from mm-hmm. Montana. Um, I'll think of it in a minute. He uh, he passed the hat. Hmm. And he finally had to stop people because it was going up over 900 bucks. Wow. I mean, if he would have passed, if he would have kept passing the hat, it would have probably been two or three grand in there. <laughs> but, um, you know, some of the major contributors was Dick Engelson, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that received the flag, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Baxter and his wife, Julie, and wow. the other major contributor was Bob Brown and his wife. Uh, hmm. And, you know, the rest of the rest of everybody else was throwing in, you know, a 20 here and a 50 there. And, and I mean, it just added up really quick. So anyway, she got all of her money back. The team, right. again, was unified and we all felt stronger as a team as a result of that to overcome that that little challenge there. Mm-hmm. So um, that was that was a act of generosity that I wanted to share. That it's amazing happened. Now you know Oleg. 
Yes. Kozitkin, is it? Has, yep. How do you pronounce yeah. his last I, name? I'm bad with last names. You're asking the wrong person. Oh, yeah, I know. Me too. But we got you. We got you, Oleg. Yeah. <sighs> he uh, was in that 110 kg, I guess it's a 242-pound class, mm-hmm. in, the op- in the open division. And there are monsters in there. I mean, mm-hmm. all the monsters crawl out from underneath the rocks in that class and show up <laughs> down there. It's just amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, He fought his way in a packed class up to fifth place left-handed and eighth right. So out of the four open points contributed, he he, uh, contributed for three of them. Uh, So we were still proud of him for his solid fifth place left. You know, I mean, that's winning – six or seven matches before you're mm-hmm. getting put out only to get fifth place. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. how tough that class is, you know? Wow. Um, Derek Smith had a tough day. He got, uh, uh, knocked out two straight, right. He, uh, kind of finished in the middle of the pack at 11th left-handed mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the 110 kilogram plus, um, Mary McConaughey got two fourth places. And she contributed eight total team points uh, for Masters. And then her uh, friendly rivalry was Kathy Merrill. Now, Kathy Merrill, i got to tell you, uh, we were all toasting to her after the first night at Left Handed because she is the only one that got the old glory record player out to play Mm -hmm. our national anthem. She was the only person to get first place on wow. that first day. And thank God she pulled that off. Uh, she she uh, caved in this woman from Egypt that yes. was six, yes, six foot eight, probably 350 pounds. Massive, yeah. And uh, Kathy took her on, man, and she wiped that gal right off the, right off mm. the table. I mean, we were just, we all had goosebumps. And uh, she, she is one of the, she produces, I mean, she she really does produce and uh so anyways uh she got that 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 one first well then this the second day was right-handed and we as masters went into the finals with five people wow. and they take a break before the finals so we all kind of got together you know in a huddle and it said look we're going in there's five of us going in that are all on the a side Let's try to win five golds, you know. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, eh, three out of five wouldn't be bad, but let's go for it. Well, mm-hmm. we wound up getting four out of five golds. Wow. But, but out of those five matches, three of them went to the rubber match two out of three. So it got a little sticky for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert and I both took a loss in the finals, and uh, and so did uh, Kathy. But uh, uh, Robert and I pulled it off, and Kathy dropped the second right-handed. And then uh, Lisa Wolfie, I tell you, I'd never heard of Lisa 
you know, other than when I met her, you know, seeing her kind of perform at nationals and she won her class, both, um, I think she won her class in masters and open, but, uh, you know, so what? I mean, she's a little bit too pretty probably to do well and, uh, at a big event like this. I mean, these are thoughts in the back of my mind, right? You know, uh, another pretty face that's, you know, not, probably not going to do well when she gets on the big stage, but oh my God, she proved me wrong. I will never underestimate that girl ever again because she is another top producer. She's from Utah and she had a fire about her. And uh, the second day, she went undefeated the whole way, right handed. And uh, she had one tough match in earlier round activity against a Canadian girl, but that's because she had just wrestled some gal from Egypt with almost no rest and then had the top Canadian gal, and then they had a tussle for a little bit. Lisa ended up beating her on technique. But then after the break, when Lisa was rested, then her and the Canadian went for the final, and, I mean, Lisa just plowed her. I mean, we're talking mega slam, and that was one of the rallying points for the team as well because the women go first. And uh, so she got a first and a second and contributed 17 total, total team points. And she did it on an injury because about a month ago she had one barn burner tough match with a gal from California, or I guess it was down in California, a gal named Brandy, uh, Brandy Stark. In mm -hmm. her. Well, Brandy is mm, in the open unlimited women's division. I mean, this is you know, a considerable size difference. And uh, um, I think, you know, it turned into a, a death match. And uh, it was, it, it uh, basically gave Lisa a pretty darn sore elbow that she was trying to rehab out at the last possible second. But uh, good enough to get first. I mean, she wow. pulled it off. So uh, we were really ecstatic about uh, her results and her productivity for the team, uh, as well as Kathy Merrill. And then there's a Debbie. Uh, Debbie, I think it's Deb Bananian. She was in the uh, 65 kg, so what is that, like 140 uh, mm -hmm. women's. And she didn't take crap off of anybody. I mean, she <laughs> she's wonderful personality. I mean, believe me, she's just got the most beautiful personality when you're visiting with her and, and, uh, and everything. But on stage, she goes up there with a the flyer, and uh, um, she um, did really well. She actually contributed 17 points. She was from New Hampshire. Uh, she got a solid fourth left and a fifth right. And then there's Brenda Taylor, Another gal. I, I really feel there's a resurgence right now in women's arm wrestling in the U.S. I, I think there's a calling going out right now. There's more and more women um, starting to get involved in, uh, uh, in USA arm wrestling. And really, I mean, out of the 129 total team points, the women were responsible for about 40 or 45 percent of those team points. Wow. So, I mean, we, we're very fortunate to have uh, the women that we do have right now, and it's only going to get better because, like this Brenda Taylor, this was her first international competition, and she—I could just see the confidence in her growing, match by match, you know. And you know, I think she won uh, 
you know, three or four matches along the way with both hands, but uh, still she finished with a solid fourth right and left, uh, and she contributed 18 points at Brenda, Brenda Taylor from Tennessee. So she did well for her first international competition, and her technique was getting better. And what, what I mean by international, I mean they are very, very strict with the rules. And 40 or 50% of the matches are foul outs. Now, I know that's from a fan's point of view. You know, you know, I mean, you love to see him wrestle, but you have to train for that. You have to be really super conscientious about your elbow staying down and your starts and, and all of the other uh, rules and continuing, not flinching when you're in the, you know, when you're, when you're given the, uh, the referee's grip, you know. And I see more and more of those rules being implemented, not like, you know, like in Bill Collins' tournaments and in any of the tournaments in which uh, um, Leonard Harkless referees. So we're, we're, we're getting that flavor now locally. It's, it's changing from the old Petaluma days when, ah, just let them wrestle, you know, mm-hmm. which there was a lot of blatant fouls in the old days that now, I mean, it's, they want to keep it very professional because we do want the sport to grow and go into the Olympics potentially. And it has to be, you know, we have to prove that we are very professional and it has to be, it's either right or it's not right. So, um, the reps did a a fantastic job. Um, Simon, is it Brochia? How do you pronounce Simon's last name? Yep. Brochio. Yep. Brochio. He was in the same class as Bob Brown. And that was that 176-pound class, Masters, and it was loaded. It was a stacked deck. I mean, today's Masters was yesterday's Open. I mean, it's that tough. Um, He blasted everybody. And I I said it first. I said, you you heard it from me first. Simon Brochu is going to win this because I played around with Simon a little bit at nationals after a little after tournament pulling and it's like oh my god this guy hits like a bomb you know he just uh surprised me and i had no doubt he was going to win that and he did he had just a little tussle in the finals and not much but uh other than that he blew through everybody uh he did go the next day in the open division and he finished in the top 25 percent uh, hmm. He got eighth, eighth place out of 26 guys. So he still did well in the open division, you know, after pulling. I mean, I think if you don't pull Masters and you pull and you put all your eggs in one basket, that's worth a couple of places. So if he would have been rested going into the open, he would have easily been up there minimum, you know, fifth or sixth place. I would say move him up a couple of spots minimum. Who knows, you know? And same Mm -hmm. with Kathy Merrill. She went in the open division the next day. She got that one point for us by getting seventh. But if she would have been totally rested, I'm sure she would have been placed higher than that. But um, we'd already got our money's worth out of her from the day before. Yeah. For sure. So... But, yeah, so that was some of the um, Team USA 
uh, facts and figures that I thought you might want to enjoy. And it's awesome. Uh, or, great you know, stories. Our audience out there. Yeah, no, yeah. great stories uh, behind the scenes. I mean, that's great to to see how you guys all come together as a team, and uh, you know, it's great to to be able to hear those experiences. Now, Alan, was this how many? How many world championships have you been to? Well, this was my fifth WAF gold. And I've got like three other, you know, like I call them amateur world championships, you mm-hmm. know, like Southern California Arm Wrestling Association type stuff, you know, Skawa uh, and that. So I have eight total world championships, but I have five of the WAF golds, which to me are that's the real deal right there. I mean that that's where it's at. Now you know a lot of guys you know don't get an opportunity to go overseas. They end up staying in the country, you know, competing against the best in North America and Canada. You mind you, um, you know when you have had a lot of guys over, you know, or a lot of guys I've talked to on the show, you know. John Brzezink, Todd Hutchings, Dave Shafee, all those guys that have gone, um, you know, Travis Bajan included. Mm-hmm. You know, they say when they travel overseas, you know, especially the last time I talked to Dave last week, we had an interview. He was saying about the time changes, getting used to the traveling and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, how does that weigh on a guy that's been over there? You know, this your being your fifth visit. Does it ever get a little easier? Does your body adjust to this time change, or because they're in different places each time you go over, is it still a, a big challenge to get yourself, you know, to that level where you need to be, you know, competing at like four in the morning or you know midnight or what have you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's an individual to individual thing. Um, uh, it has gotten easier for me. I mean, partially because uh, I don't get too worked up over events. You know, at age 53, uh, I tend to kick back and enjoy the tournament a little bit more. I don't get the butterflies I used to. And so I can sleep easier, and, and I do pay attention to uh, eating. It's kind of funny you mentioned that, though, Craig, because uh, my boss, uh, I'm in construction, and I'm mm-hmm. a uh, dump truck driver. He's been working me a lot of nights this summer, and I'm just like, ah, I'm just like pissed off. I mean, why are you always picking on me and stuff? You know, it's like, well, I know. He goes, I know, Al, but we really need you because you're diversified, and when we need you in a you know, sweeper guy, you can jump in the sweeper truck, or you know, if you uh, uh, we need a water truck guy, you're trained in, so you're kind of the jack of all trades. We need at least one jack of all trades on night shifts because I'm diversified to drive whatever they got so I worked all these nights and I was mm-hmm. cussing my poor boss and uh, made his life hard all summer and then all of a sudden uh, it was just about time to go to the tournament and I'm going wait a minute I'm I've been you know I'm on Malaysia time all summer you know and it's like this <laughs> is going to awesome. work out really good for me <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so I came back and I said well I guess I got to thank you uh, you put me on Malaysia time and uh it made the whole thing super easy for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Now, like, you know, some of the younger guys that went over for their first experience, did you be able, were you able to help, you know, or give some advice to those guys, um, you know, with that whole time change and, and being overseas and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And 
so we're we're helping the younger guys as much as we can and some of the key people for really rolling up their sleeves and providing uh information is uh was Bob Brown. He has always been a, like a team leader. Uh he shares information. He will he will be on the sidelines and he will be coaching people and shouting out uh I don't know how many wins we got just because of his observation and mm-hmm. his uh, dropping little uh, information into your ear about, oh, I've seen this. I've seen the guys doing that. I think uh, maybe if you made a little adjustment here or a little adjustment there, uh, he was uh, very adept at that, and, and, and we need that. I mean, I, I noticed like the Russian Federation, they have a guy – up there by the stage, and he watches every one of his people's matches, and he is there. Uh, and I think they were changing out. They had two or three coaches. I mean, they always had somebody there, and, and it really helps. Uh, it helps a lot. And they also had their money. So if, if there was a bad – what they felt was a bad call, they could protest it. Well, in world competition, if you protest a call, you've got to lay 50 euros out. And if you win that call, you get that 50 euros back, and they will restart that match, and they will um, basically erase the foul. But if you lose the call, you lose the 50 euros. And those Russian coaches, they had a stack of euros in their hand ready to go at all times, you know. Hmm. If they seen one thing that wasn't right, if they seen two referees, uh, and that's what Bob, that's what, uh, Bob Brown told us, too. If, if there's a call that you're questioning and you look and you see one referee looking at the other one like, uh, are you sure we got that right? Or there's a little doubt in that little transfer of telepathic transfer, if you will, between the referee's eyes, you, you go ahead and you'll probably win that one, hmm. you know. But he told us which, which ones we could win and which ones we couldn't, you know. But... Uh, so there's always that, and uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, each time I go, I still learn more things. You know, I'm, uh, I've been pulling for what 36 years now, and I'm wow. still learning new things. You know, wow. From that first <laughs> tournament back in 1979. Now which, you know, is that you talk? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. 1979. I mean, that's that's amazing, man, and it's great to see the longevity in the sport. And you know, that was kind of my segment and segue into my next question was, you know, myself getting into the sport at 40. Um, you know, I'm almost 44 now, um, and I see these guys competing. A lot of the guys are you know turning 40 now, and it seems like they're getting better, stronger. Um, you know, you can um, kind of attest to that with the Masters events. You know, you guys are pulling. Mm-hmm. Do you see the guys? Like, is this a kind of a sport that you see guys that can stay healthy really being competitive, you know, in the late 50s, 60s? Uh, especially the Americans and Canadians. I mean, uh, there's this concern, all oh, these Russians, I mean, they just dominate these younger classes. It's only a matter of time, and they're going to be getting older, and then they're gonna, we're going to be wiped out. But you know what? Hmm. We have better medicine in this country. We take mm-hmm. care of ourselves better. We age better. 
We don't use steroids. Um, uh, we take vitamins. We, we have a better quality food. And, um, you know, we're not shooting stars. And I think there will always be a place uh, at the top for the American and the Canadian masters uh, to continue to do just as, just as good as... I mean, we came into this with 19 people. I mean, really, we potentially... Uh, could bring a much even greater A team to these worlds, and I, I know there's a lot of glamour in the local stuff in Vegas, and and there's money and and all that, and I think that is awesome for mm-hmm. promoting the sport. But I would encourage all of the Travises and um, the the other top top people like your Michael Todds and stuff to come down and just experience this whole. WAF Worlds with 55 countries and Team USA and the camaraderie and the people from the other countries that want to come up and have their picture taken with you and that that camaraderie that, uh, I mean, I don't know how many pictures I have from other people from other countries, the, the Japanese, the Germans, I mean, the Russians. I mean, there is a, a, a true flavor to this event that you just don't get anywhere else. And if you want this flavor, you got to spend a few bucks. But, I mean, it's not that hard to get sponsorship. All you got to do is ask. I took mm-hmm. and just wrote out a little, a little handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. I didn't even type it. I just, in my own mm-hmm. handwriting, I said, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And it is expensive because we, we got to pay for it out of our own money. And... I turned it into the union, and two days later, Teamsters called me up and said, "Come on down, we got a check waiting for you." I'm just like, "Wow!" And that—that's great for our our listeners out there because I get that question all the time. People ask me, "Man, how do you get so many sponsors? And how do you do this?" And it's like, use your tools and be a go-getter. Write a simple letter like you did. I mean, you know, people all the time they're like, "Man, how do I get a sponsorship?" Well, they're not going to come. And, and just all of a sudden go on your Facebook and go, hey, I love the sponsor. you you got to go out there and, mm-hmm. you know, and ask for it. I mean, and, and tell people what you're doing and, and tell them that you're training hard and you're working and you're going over here to uh, to the World Games or World Championships. And, and it's expensive. And like you just said, and I'm glad you brought that up because so many people – think that people are just going to knock down their doors and sponsor them. And that's just not the way it works, man. You got to write those letters. You got to message people. You got to email companies and that's how it works. Yeah. I mean, 500 bucks for what? 10 minutes work. I mean, heck that's uh, that wasn't bad. And I did include, you know, I did include uh, uh, some official information that I got, you know, because when you, when you sign up for uh, Worlds mm-hmm. or whatever, they send you a little packet, and it's got like an official congr- letter of congratulations on yep. there that you're on Team USA. So I photocopied yeah. that so they would know, you know, yep, it's a real deal. By golly, here's his name on there. And, you know, so you want to include, you know, the nicer you make it, hey. the, the, the better. Hey, it's nice to it include is. your credentials sometimes. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm a five-time world champion. I'm going over to compete at the World Games. Here's my accepted yeah. letter. Boom, 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 and that's how it works. 
And, uh, right. you know, because unfortunately with arm wrestling, yes, we're getting some exposure. Yes, there's some money to be won, but we're still not at that level where people are, you know, knocking down the door. No Nike companies or Reebok aren't knocking down our door going, hey, but when you reach out, you never know what could happen. So, uh, you know, that's a great right. point. You a great point with that. You know, I want to I want to kind of talk to you about, like, getting, you know, you're 53, you're getting ready for, you know, when did you decide, you know, what time of the year did you decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to the, you know, 2015 WAL World Championships. <laughs> when, when did you decide you wanted to do that? And, and, and what do you, what's, what's Alan do to get ready for an event at that magnitude? Um, I, I, I think that's a good question. Um, the Mike, some, here's some of my keys. Um, now I, I had a, I had taken a, you know, a couple, about three years off cause I had went through a, a divorce. I had been married for 22 years. Um, we were a successful couple. We had a trucking company together. Um, and Anyways, uh, without getting into too much detail, um, things went to hell in a handbasket, and uh, uh, I went through a divorce about three years ago, and that uh, that was tough. So I took some time off. But you know what? I needed to be true to myself. I needed to go back to who I was and who I am and what I love, and that was a calling for me. And when I came back, I was welcomed back into the sport by the champions in this local area, so essentially, rule number one, surround yourself with other champions. And uh, the, like the Mackin brothers out of uh, the Kelso area, you know, mm-hmm. you got Devin, yeah, David, man. and Darren. I mean, they are just amazing. You got, you got Josh, which works out with, the, with them. He went to the WAF last year, and he had a magnificent experience. And, uh, and then you got Jacob Abbott up here at the, and all the guys at the, the north, the uh, the North End Strong Arm Club uh, here in Washington. And, you know, Jacob and I, I mean, we really do make each other better. I mean, here we mm-hmm. are essentially in the same weight class. We should be rivals, technically, but it just never has worked out that way. I mean, we have uh, built each other up, and we make each other strong, and we don't even run into each other that much. He winds up going to some event. I'm off over at another event, you know. So it's, it's never been a big deal. And if we do pull, at the end of the day, we're still, you know, practically best friends in the sport, mm-hmm. you know. And you did an interview with him, I mm-hmm. want to say about, was that about a year ago, I think? Yeah, probably about eight months to a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Jacob's an awesome guy, man. Oh, man. Yeah. He is and so I, knowledgeable. I, and I had the privilege to uh, meet in uh, uh Devin Mack, and he was down in Florida at last year's Travis Bajan's event, and we got to pull a little bit. He's another great guy, man. It's just great. You know, It's a, the sport is just amazing. Like, you know, just being able to meet these great pullers all over the country, it's just uh, it's awesome, man. It's just awesome. I know. It is It is like, it just can't get any better than this. I mean, we're, <laughs> in, a, we're in a time right now. This is the time to be in the sport, and I'm just so grateful that at 53 i can still be immersed in the middle of all this i mean it's mm-hmm. i'm just feeling a little bit you know uh fortunate right now but yeah the answer to your question no it's just 
is to surround yourself with the right people. And, and really, you know, I, I interviewed that Lisa Wolfie, like I say, she was on Team USA. She surrounds herself. I go, oh, really? Well, who do you surround yourself with? And she was dropping names like Kevin Bongard, you know, uh, Bob Brown, uh, top, top people there in that Utah area. And that has been, and she was quick to pass her credit on to these people, which, which is very admirable, you know. So surrounding yourself with the right people and, and working out. You've got to put the time in. You've got to get the table time in. But it's not just the, the table time once or twice a week. You've you got to get in the gym and you've got to keep everything tight in there. You need to do those, those curls. You need to do, work your tries and your buys and your chest and your lats and your shoulders and, and, and keep all that tone, you know. Uh, because I can't tell you how many times my chest gets sore after an arm wrestling tournament. Oh, really? I guess I do <laughs> use my chest muscles, you know? Yeah, but that's funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, man. People don't even realize sometimes I'm left tournaments and my calves are killing me. I'm like, I don't even... You know, you got, <laughs> I, think, I think your whole body, man, has to be uh, conditioned definitely for the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I see now, some of your pics on Facebook. It looks like you're you're moving some heavy yarn around as well. Trying, I can see man, you must trying. Do you do you what is your uh, what's your routine? Do you uh do you basically work I'm following kinda like Yeah, I basically uh I mean I I've been following kind of a Dave Shafey type of workout. I, I got out of bodybuilding a couple years ago and then I've been trying to just devote my time to getting stronger for the table basically and uh you know, just learning, like you were saying, I mean, you know, you've been in the sport for 36 years, I've uh, been in the sport, mm-hmm. it'll be three years in December, and uh, I'm just constantly learning and learning, and with you, what you said, it's just going to be one of those things till they put dirt over me that I'll be learning constantly in the sport, <laughs> and that, that's just an amazing thing, I mean, just to be able to learn, because if you keep an open mind in this sport, and, and, and uh-huh. realize that you're never going to know it all, it's just one of those uh-huh. things where amazing to be able to to learn and get excited you know you're at practice you learn a different angle and you you learn how to get into it and you're like wow i never thought of that and it's just like a whole <laughs> chess game almost so. but yeah um, yeah i've been just uh you know just working away and guys like you motivate me man it's like seeing you guys go over win world championships seeing you just continue on you know at 53 i mean that's just amazing and it it just goes to show people out there that with good living, like you were saying earlier, training, taking care of yourself. And I'm a firm believer in you got to hang with champions. If you want to be a champion, you got to hang and learn from a champion. And that's the great thing about the sport. When you train with a great team, like you know, they just make mm-hmm. you better. They just make you better. And, and that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yep. And you got to get to the events, you know, yep. and, and, and you learn a lot at the tournaments and, 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 Lately, and I, I got my own practice club here. I got three tables mm-hmm. here at uh, Puyallup Central uh, Arm Wrestling Practice Club here. But I make these guys, I, I watch them. If their elbow comes up in practice, I call them on it. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want your elbows flying off all over the place here in practice, yeah. having a good old time. And then when you get down to the tournament, you know, you're, you come off the line in reckless abandon. We can't have reckless abandon. You know, I, I like to use John Brzezink. As a model, John mm-hmm. comes in, and this is right out of this is right out of Leonard Harkless's 
mouth because Leonard Harkless has officiated many of John's matches. And if anybody knows that John comes in, he squares his shoulders, he shovels in, he doesn't get too greedy on his grip because he's not insecure. And you don't no. want to be insecure. You want to be confident and you want to mm. come in and get a decent grip that you don't have to be greedy. You can mm. still just go in, shovel in, and plant down, lock your in, and you're ready to go. It really shouldn't take that long. But you notice a lot of guys that are very insecure, just yep. can't get a grip. You know, they're all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's hard to officiate those. But Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it seemed like the World Championships, a- it seemed like some of the matches I've seen, you know, from like some of your matches and, and Robert's matches, especially, it, it, they were pretty quick. Like, you know, the referees, you guys weren't fighting for grips, and, uh, you know, it was good to see that. Yes. Yes, it was. Things have come a long way since 1979. Yeah, but, uh, definitely. Now, you know, speaking of the story about that, go, that first... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, 1979, Al. I don't know. I can make it a long story short, yeah, but um, uh, my first tournament was in Deadwood, South Dakota in 1979. Well, you know, remember Deadwood? They had that, that Western movie series that came out, and it's like a oh, wild yeah, yeah, town. Oh, yeah, 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 You know, yeah, with yeah. Calamity Jane and <laughs> Wild yeah. Bill and all that. That was my, you know, well, my my hometown was the next town over in Sturgis where all the motorcycles yeah, rallied yeah. every year. I'm, that's where I went to middle school and high school wow. and everything was Sturgis. Well, Deadwood was a rival uh the rival town next to us, you know, especially for high school sports and that. And uh, they had a um, a tournament there. Well, I was I was underage, uh, <laughs> and it was in a bar. So I, uh, but I was you know six foot two. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of I kind of passed it off, but yeah. so I get in there, I belly up to the bar, and I'll never forget the look on the bartender's face when he asked me when I what I wanted to drink. And I told him I wanted to have a tall milk. <laughs> That's awesome. A tall milk. He said, a tall milk, huh? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm arm wrestling and everything. I, uh, I'll, I'll save the beer for afterwards, you know. Well, anyways, we get in there, and it's a, it's a single-round elimination back in those days. And um, I... Uh, discovered I had this gift. I mean, I knew that I was did well with friends and stuff but, uh, over the picnic table. You know, the Boy Scout picnic table challenge, I did pretty good at that. But this was, uh, <laughs> you know, the real deal here. And Well, anyways, I, I wound up getting first place, and they gave me a nice trophy and wow. 50 bucks, and the newspaper yeah. was there. And, I mean, this was a lot for a 17-year-old. But hmm. what happened, the, the rest of the story is the town bully who did not arm wrestle uh, in the tournament came up and challenged me to an uh, to an exhibition match. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to get out of here. I mean, I got, I got my money. I got the trophy. You know, I, I don't want to take a chance. And I'm like wishy-washy. And, and uh, uh, he said, so he, he whispered something into the announcer's ear. And the next thing you know, the announcer's like, wait a minute, folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to have an exhibition match here. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go, you know. And mm-hmm. it was 
a couple hundred people there. These were all local people hooting and hollering, and and uh, it was quite a deal. And uh, so I said, okay. So we lined up, and the referees lined us up, and and uh, uh, I blasted off the line. I mean, I blasted this guy. What I didn't know was that one week prior to this, some guy from another high school, uh, the rival school, beat him in a fair and square game of pool. Just, you know, regular pool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they followed this guy out of town and got him corralled. They, you know, with the car, they they got him pushed over to the side and almost killed him. They beat him to almost death. They got hauled away in an ambulance. Jeez. This all happened a week before over a pool game in front of yeah. a couple of his so, buddies. Yeah. And I'm up there, you know, he's in his mid-20s. I'm 17 in front of the whole town, his town, mm-hmm. uh, arm wrestling him. And so, you know, I didn't know that. I just took off on the go. I cranked him down to like within like a half or a quarter of inch of, 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 of to the pad. I, I, if they would, if the hair on his arm was touching the pad, they, they, I would have got the win. But that's how close it was. And mm-hmm. he stopped me right there. And the match went on and on and on. And all of a sudden, the crowd started getting into it, you know, because cause it, it was a stalemate. And the more the crowd got into it, the more I felt his energy surge. And keep in mind, I'd just got done pulling the tournament yeah, yeah, and he was fresh you know the next thing you know he pulled me back up to 12 o'clock and that place went wild i mean hats were flying through the air i mean dust was being shook off the rafters i mean the crowd was was just into it because this was their boy and he rallied and he wound up beating me uh-huh. and i found out later that probably saved my life. Yeah, I was going to say, it would have been a short-lived arm wrestling career. <laughs> it would have been really short-lived, but you know what? I mean, I was like his best friend. I mean, he was giving me bear hugs. I mean, it's like I couldn't get away from the guy, you know? I mean, like he was following me around, giving me bear hugs constantly. I just wanted to go home to my parents, and then uh, I finally made my escape, but, but uh, with my life, so... I don't know. Maybe maybe the good Lord decided that uh, it was my best yeah. interest to drop that one. But you know, it was already in my blood. I won the fifty bucks, and the the paper come out in the news. Uh, my picture come out in the newspaper, and that was a huge thing for a seventeen year old. So, you know, it it started my career. And when I finally come out to Washington, I got you know mixed in with some local champions here, and quickly found out, hey, there's. Uh, you're going to have to learn some technique, you know. Uh, some of these guys like Jerry Nelson and Clyde Young and some of the the top performers of Saul Ingram and Art Eversall and, you know, some of the top guys in this area. And so then I, uh, Carl Hancock, and then I started learning some technique. I learned how to do the top roll and and uh, things kind of progressed from there. And then in, um, in uh, what was it? 87, I won a West Coast championship, and and then in 88, I won my first uh, Southern California Arm Wrestling Association's World Championship, mm. so I was really starting to come on, and then in 89, me and Ray Darling, who's passed away, rest in peace, 
Ray Darling, uh, and a whole team USA went to Russia in 1989. So we were on the first historic USA versus USSR arm wrestling challenge in 1989, and that was a great experience. Wow. Now, you have a pretty impressive record against the Russians. Yeah, you know, for some reason, I've, I'm holding on to my streak I picked up three more wins uh, mm-hmm. here recently, so I'm up to, uh, 23 and 0 against the Russians wow. right now, undefeated. That's awesome. So now let's let's just talk uh, uh, briefly. Like, okay, 1979, you started arm wrestling. We're in 2015. I mean, you got social media, you got the internet. I mean, you got Facebook, you got all these, you know, uh, exposures for arm wrestling YouTube. You know, back in the day, you know. You've just had like a poster at your local mall to see where the tournament was at. You, you know, you never got to mm-hmm. follow people training. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, what do you think of all that? You know, as we change into, you know, this new era of arm wrestling. I mean, guys are catching on to the sport, you know, pretty quickly because of all the different mm-hmm. uh, training out there. You know, what do you what do you think of all that? What's your perspective? Oh. I think those tools are awesome. I am with the high-tech era. I mean, these young guys, I mean, we had a young guy here at the practice club that just started out named Ken Flower, and he went to one practice, and he went to a tournament, and he got first in the novice division left-handed. And I was able to praise him on my Puyallup Central website and some of the other Facebook sites that we got. He got the notoriety that he deserved, and now he is – you know, he is so excited about the sport, and these these do really give you gives you the venue to give these young guys the notoriety that they deserve to get them some recognition um, and get their name out there, and that's what really drives the young hungry uh, arm wrestler coming into the sport because he's hungry for uh, for some wins, he's hungry to learn. And uh, he wants to find his place in life. And Facebook does a marvelous job of that. And what you're doing right here really is uh, uh, a benefit to the arm wrestling community. So I, uh, I guess I want to turn it around and, and thank you for oh, this well, venue you. that you're offering with your podcast. And could, tell me a little bit, wh- who's all listening tonight? Where is this going? What, what do we, we have, have to listen to? everybody tonight? all over the country, man. It's, just, it's, you know, it's blowing up, uh, you know. And I got to say, you know, with that being said, I got to thank the listeners out there. You know, last week, their show, 1,500 downloads. I mean, that's 1,500 people in the arm wrestling community listening to this, you know, podcast each week. I mean, we average anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500. I mean, I couldn't do this without no the fans. But the fans out there, hats off to you guys. We took four weeks <laughs> off. I had so many messages. Woo-hoo. I thought people, hey, you know what? Ah, they're probably not really, you know, they're probably tired of listening to to my big mouth and everything. But you know <laughs> what? They it gives an opportunity. To to kind of you know talk about training and, and and like you shared some stories about this year's world championships that you you can't you know you can't people can't hear that stuff the wallets yeah. being stolen um, the the um, the the flag missing you know Robert doing that you know what I mean that that's mm-hmm. stuff that 
people get the inside scoop that normally they wouldn't be able to see unless someone posted it, but you got to share that story and 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 yeah. and talk about the point systems and how everybody did. I mean, and that's just the the great thing about, you know, having, you know, a podcast and having people out there listening and, you know, and and, and that's just, you know, the thing is, and and that's another thing. I get a lot of young guys in the sport that are like, hey, you know, Alan trains like this or, you know, this is what he was doing or Todd Hutchings does this or whatever, and it gives them an Mm -hmm. opportunity to listen and you know, and, and this is awesome that um, you know people you know like the show and like to hear that stuff. And you know, with ESPN blowing up the WAL, I mean, when I go to the gym, I hear people talking about arm wrestling now that wasn't talking mm-hmm. about arm wrestling. I hear people saying, "Hey, wow, I can't believe those guys train. I thought it was a bunch of rednecks drinking beer, you know, pulling each <laughs> other, you know, on a picnic table." <laughs> you know, it's like no, yeah. it's a sport. And now people are respecting that, you know, and and people are starting to get the itch and like, hey, man, you know, I got a message today from a couple kids from, you know, locally here in Florida saying, hey, does, is there any events in Florida we'd like to come check them out? Yeah, there's like mm. 20 different events in Florida. So you hooked come them up, man. Huh? And I hooked them up, and, and that's the thing. It's it's great to see the sport growing, you know. And, I mean, what do you think of all this ESPN back on WAL twenty thousand dollars prize money. I mean, what what does that say to you with the sport? You know, getting that exposure again. Right. Well, it used to be, you know, back in the in the seventies and eighties, everybody would say, "Oh yeah, um, uh, Wild because Wild World of Sports yeah, ran yeah. for a little while, and yeah, that yeah. that really that really put it on the map." I mean, the United States. Is really who put arm wrestling on the map. You know, you're going back to the days of of, mm-hmm. uh, of Dave DeVito and uh, you know and John Miasdick out of Canada and and mm-hmm. some of those promoters that like Bill that go way back. And and Wild World of Sports was what really put it on the map. And so, but after a while, you know, you finally started to quit hearing about people because the you know they're basically a lot of the people that watched it back then are dead of old age. <laughs> and there was, there was the arm break on the wild world of sports, which they, everybody yeah. talked about for years, yeah. the, the shot that was heard around the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was all we had to talk about in so far as, uh, you know, TV and stuff. Well, now with game of arms, with ESPN, mm-hmm. with what wall's doing, I mean, now all my buddies at work and stuff are, you know, seeing this on, and so they're all talking about it. I mean, there is a, it's, it's, it's a fresh new resurgence um, in this country, but I just want to see some of this energy spilled over into the WAF World mm-hmm. Championships because, you know, we're really not bringing our true A-team to mm-hmm. these WAF Worlds. We're no. not bringing our true A-team. Now, now, I will say in our Team USA that we had here, we had definitely A team members, but we don't have enough of them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And if they only knew what kind of experience that they would have, they would see that it was really it would be not that expensive. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it was my flight was nine hundred and fifty bucks. So what? And you know what? Mm-hmm. In Malaysia, you can eat like a king for seven or eight bucks. We're talking with mm-hmm. drinks, everything, mm-hmm. seven or eight U.S. The food was cheap. And then mm-hmm. uh, my my motel, uh, I didn't stay at the host hotel, but I stayed 
uh, a short distance away, 25 a night, U.S. Wow, wow. I mean, it was nothing, you know. For the kind of enriching experience that I got, no, there was not money involved, but there was something to be said for, you know, doing something and contributing towards your country. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't, and, and old, you know, you don't have to be number one and have the national anthem playing for you to still be a, you know, a great contributor to your country. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, like even Mary McConaughey from Nebraska, she got, she contributed eight points. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, with her two fourths, and we appreciate that. Do you think um, sometimes now with the the prize money and the exposure that maybe a little bit of that gets lost? Because I mean, you guys were going around. You know, it wasn't it was like five or six years ago? People were getting trophies and medals and a couple hundred bucks here and there. I mean, do you think like because of the exposure, which I know is a good thing, and the prize money that people are kind of like, you know, kind of drifting away from those world championships events because there isn't any, in their mind, you know, uh, financial gains? Um, I guess it's an individual basis. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to think that people have a love for the sport, not for the money, but because they mm-hmm. really do love the sport. And I've, mm-hmm. I have got nothing against uh, going to a prize money tournament and, and winning some money. That's cool. But but it'd be really nice to see some of the guys do a little bit of mix and match and give back to the sport and maybe come to the WAF Worlds and do something for their country. I know Michael Todd really wanted to come to this one. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was something mm-hmm. that he wanted to do, and he knew there wasn't me money in it. So I know mm-hmm. his heart was in the right spot. But something came up when in, him and Rebecca couldn't make it. But mm-hmm. I know that he wanted to, and I, I can just bet that he will uh, probably uh, be there next year when we go to, uh, to Bulgaria. And by the wow. way, Bulgaria, uh, wow. the dub- awesome. Bulgaria is where it's going to be, and this is an election year coming up. So for all you listeners out there, uh, because it's an election year, that means the president of the WAF is going to be running for president again. So mm-hmm. it's perfect timing that he's going to have the worlds in his own country because wow. he's from Bulgaria. And okay. Because of that, he's going to have it in his home country. They are going to roll out the red carpet, and they are going to pull out all the stops. This is going to be the most phenomenal tournament anybody has ever been to. And let me tell you what, I can't wait to go. I know even this one in Malaysia – was amazing. They had the big stage lights, multicolored. They had spotlights. They had tunes. They had speakers. They had you know live uh, YouTube feed. I mean, it was like it was like going to a rock concert. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was very very entertaining. But Bulgaria, they're gonna they're really gonna pull out these stops because the president, you know, he mm-hmm. wants to get reelected. You know, yeah, that's a great way of doing it, and. A great yeah. thing about the the uh, World Championships next year, the AAA Nationals is also now a qualifier. So you have another way of qualifying to get on Team USA. So our listeners out there listening, if you want to be able to be a part of that, you got another opportunity through you know Karen Bean and Frankie's mm. AAA Nationals. You know for the guys on the West Coast that can't make it to Cali or you know 
they get an opportunity to uh, to compete over there as well. And, uh, you know, uh, before I let you go, man, you said it earlier in the interview um, about maybe the Olympic Games. I mean, do you see, you know, the sport ever getting to that level? Uh, I do, uh, but we got to kind of ask for it. I don't know if anybody is really writing the Olympics and saying, would you please consider this? I mean, the old saying, ask and ye shall receive. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, I don't know if there's anybody that's really been assigned to um, working on this case, if you will, like a lawyer, um, yeah, yeah. mailing them out letters and information saying, hey, we're out here, we're available, uh, we, could, we could really bring some, uh, something to this. Uh, there is politics involved. I mean, you have to play play the right politics, but I think it could be done. I would hope so, man. Nothing against skeet shooting, but you know, arm wrestling would be nice to be able to see in the yeah. in the Olympics, man. And you know, and there's uh, you know, I, I you know, I hope that we can get to that level. I mean, and and, and you know, seeing the world championships, seeing you guys up on the podium with the flags, the national anthems. I mean, yeah. that's like the Olympics in itself. and uh, It really you know, is. That, I mean, I, I don't think you'd tell the difference, really. I mean, no. you really have that Olympic flavor when you're at the World Arm Wrestling Championships. I don't think you could really tell the difference. I mean, it'd be great if it goes into the Olympics, but it would be something very similar to what we have right now with the WAF. Yeah, you most know? definitely. So, so, so Alan, what's, uh, what's next for you? I mean, when are we going to see you back on the table again? Well, um, I could always, you know, at my age, you kind of learn to choose your battles wisely. <laughs> so, I mean, typically, now that I'm back in the sport, I really only typically pull maybe three or four tournaments a year. As you get a little bit older, you just can't pull them every mm-hmm. weekend like that or and that. And, uh, but I, I, prob- I, w- I will probably be at the Unified National Qualifier. Um, I would like to go back and defend my title. So there's... There's at least two tournaments that I could say that I would like to be at. Uh, the Unified National Qualifier and, and, again, at the WAF, because I don't think I ever want to miss a WAF World Championship Tournament again. It is just that great. It is so phenomenal. Uh, it's just a once, even if you only went once in your lifetime, mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go to that event. Even people that went just to support family members mm-hmm. and didn't even pull had a wonderful time. And so, Bulgaria sounds like a fun place to be. So, uh, you know, guys out there listening, get qualified this year and become part of this great experience. And Alan, man, I just want to thank you for taking the time out, sharing your experience at the world championships. You know, we're going to have, uh, Bob Brown and Vasquez, two of your teammates on next week, talking about their nice. experience with it. So uh, I'm glad that you shed some light on some stories. I hope our listeners enjoyed the show tonight. I want to thank you, man, for uh, just being a true gentleman and a, a true champion of the sport of arm wrestling. And uh, congratulations on another world title. And uh, we look forward to seeing you pull at the Unifies and uh, back at the uh, WAF hopefully for a sixth title. So I uh, just want to wish you the best of luck, man. Thank you very much, and uh, God yeah. bless, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Take care, Alan.
You bet. The Gully Grip is a free-rolling handle that inevitably causes more stability in your wrist than any other grip on the market. It's also much more accessible to any cable system, allowing more progressive overloading movements, producing a higher outcome in overall strength in not only your shoulder girdle, but also those muscle groups important for arm wrestling. Visit GullyGrip.com. That's G-U-L-L-E-Y Grip.com. Apply your strength. Well, guys, I mean, what an awesome, you know, it's great to hear, you know, these experiences that you never be able to shed light on. And, you know, Alan had some great insight on some of the great, you know, experiences at the World Championships. I mean, you know, and that's, you know, for me personally, I mean, that's where it's at for me is to be a part of that WAL, WAF, sorry, World Championship uh you know, I'd love to, to be a part of that whole experience. You know, who knows, maybe next year I can qualify for Bulgaria. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, as an athlete all my life, you know, competing and training, and, and it doesn't really matter what sport it is, to be able to be on a team and, and be able to uh, to compete, you know, in some kind of, you know, event that's, you know, to me it's just like an Olympic-style, you know, feeling it just would be amazing and uh you know people out there listening uh you know i know uh a lot of the guys that compete year in and year out over there i mean they love um they love the whole experience and uh you know i've heard nothing but good things um to to be a part of that and you know it's great what's going on here in america and north american um you know with what wall's got going on and you know all these other great championships but you know, the WAF, man, World Championships, like Alan said, 2016, Bulgaria, it's going to be off the chain by the sounds of it, and uh, I'm really excited about that. And like I said, next week, we're going to have Bob Brown, Vasquez on, um, you know, my co-host, Al Kozar, will be back on, uh, we're going to be bringing you guys another episode of Arm Wrestling 101, we're going to talk about cardio, how it affects your recovery, yes, cardio, that's not lifting weights fast or doing high reps, so, uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how that can help your recovery and, uh, you know, keep your overall fitness level at the uh, elite level, you know, being, uh, you know, in the sport where we use, you know, all kinds of uh, different muscles, nutrition, so important, overall conditioning, so important in the sport. So, uh, you know, with that being said, we got a couple great events. Like I said, uh, Alabama's got a great event coming up Saturday the 17th, also in Daytona, um, the Backyard Brawl, Antletario, Daytona Bike Week. Uh, it's going to be great. That's going to be on the 17th. Also here in Daytona, and then November 22nd, WAL Florida State Championships. It's going to be just an amazing event. Brandon Morris putting that event on. Travis Bajan will be a special guest in Orlando. I'm looking forward to that event. Hopefully my right will be healed up, but uh, definitely will be competing left-handed. Also to AAA. Florida State's championship, Mudville Grill, Jacksonville, Florida, December 12th, Karen and Frank Bean 
presents the greatest event in Florida. It's one of my favorites. Uh, that's where it all began for me. I'll be celebrating my three-year anniversary in this amazing sport, the best sport on the planet. That'll be December 12th, Mudville Grill. And, uh, you know, check out Facebook. Uh, check out the the, the uh, boards um, for other local events coming up. want to congratulate Dave and Amanda Shea for their beautiful daughter born yesterday. Um, hats off to those guys. Congratulations. Um, that's awesome stuff out there. I'm very happy for those guys. Also, uh, what else is going on? Um, oh, yeah. I want to thank all our sponsors out there. The show couldn't be possible without not only the fans, the listeners out there. Like I said earlier, thank you guys for just you know supporting Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. I think I do believe this is the hundredth and tenth episode. If you miss an episode, you can always go to our like page, Arm Wrestle Nation Radio. Hit like while you're there. You can download any of the previous podcasts or go to iTunes and just download them from there. If you don't have an iPhone, you can also go to the like page and check out in our about section. There's a link, mobile links are right there for your Android fans. You can download any episode. And listen to it whenever you want, man, when you're training, driving to work, whatever. So check it out. Thank you guys for supporting Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. And check out, like I said, CombatSports.com, Greatest Tables. Amazing. Just check them out, man. I, I can't even put in the words how great these tables are. I can't wait to get my tables coming. It's coming this week. The Disciple in the Dungeon. I can't wait. Also, big shout-out to a huge sponsor, RSPNutrition.com. You guys need any supplements out there, check out RSPNutrition.com. Great line of supplements. Also, ArmedAllianceApparel.com. You want a crazy arm wrestling shirt, you want to get some gear, you want to rep the movement, check out their website. Get a great T-shirt. they got designer stuff. They've got custom apparel you want a team logo anything check those guys out at armedallianceapparel.com of course man countrycrush.net Raymond Cody man that that's that piece of equipment speaks for itself if you guys don't have the country crush i mean come on now get in the game get your country crush today at countrycrush.net want to thank our big big shout out to our guests last week Mike and Ryan Pitts StrongerGrip.com. You know those WAL handle those hammers that you see Todd Hutchings slamming around. The one Dave Shafey's got hanging up in his home. The one Travis Bagent, two-time champion, has in his home. Well, Ryan Pitts was the man that made those. So if you guys need any trophies, any training apparel, I mean this guy is the mad machinist behind the torch and the weldings. You know, it's just. Incredible stuff he's been making. So check it out, StrongerGrip.com. Of course, GullyGrip.com. Jason Gully bringing us the Gully Grip. Awesome piece of equipment. Big shout-out to Dan Sprouts. ArmWrestlingTech.com. Check out the Strout Spring. You want to bring up your side pressure? Just ask Daniel Worley how my side pressure felt this weekend at practice, and he'll attest that 
the Stroud Spring is definitely something you want to add onto your training. Also, the top roller, great piece of equipment. Big shout out to Big Mike. And uh, check out the website, toprollerstrong.com. Also, I want to give a special shout out. My mother surprised me with an early birthday uh, gift. Uh, she got me this a beautiful necklace with the custom arms on here. And I, I just, you know, it's I, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just, I mean, I'll cherish this forever, man. It was just a beautiful piece. Jeffrey Hall, you guys, I posted the picture of it. It's amazing. Um, there's only another person, um, another Canadian arm wrestler, um, Jeff, uh, God, having a little brain fart here, but uh, he's the other guy that has that piece of equipment um, or piece of jewelry. It's awesome. Um, and uh got to give a big thanks to my mom for, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff K., um, you know, a half ounce pendant necklace. I mean, it's beautiful. Check it out at his website, www.precious-metalworks.ca. If you guys want to get one of those, uh, you know, any custom jewelry, Jeff it does amazing work. And uh just want to thank him for putting that together. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to my mom. I know she's listening to the show. Once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. I want to thank my guest, Alan Bone, for stopping in, sharing his experience with us. Guys, till next week, keep training hard and just stay positive, man. Just keep motivating yourself, pushing your limits each and every day. No matter what you do, if it's in the gym, if it's at work, smile, wake up, and let your passion just wake you up every day, man. It's all about having passion. Whatever you have passion for, just grab it and embrace the grind. Until next week, I'm Craig Subelair, and I'm out of here. You have been listening to a broadcast of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. If you tuned in halfway through the show, you can download the entire episode on iTunes today. Just go to iTunes and search Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. Visit us on Facebook for updates, photos, and direct links to the show at awnr.us. Arm Wrestling Nation Radio will put you over the top.